This episode is brought to you by the Nordstick, the number one way to train your hamstrings anywhere at any time. The number one injury burden in the game of soccer is, you guessed it, hamstring injury. What better way to prevent this than using the Nordstick? From endless Nordic curl variations for your hamstrings, to other lower body exercises, to even upper body and core exercises, you name your goal and the Nordstick can help you get there. Use the link in the description to learn more and get 10% off. Once again, use the link in this episode's description for 10% off. What's up, soccer players? Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your co-host, Andy. Today, we have a very special episode. Um, Throughout this World Cup special, we're going to be bringing you guys a lot of products, a lot of features, a lot of things that we've used that we personally feel are some of the best things on the market. And today we have that today with a brand called Storelli, which focuses a lot on soccer uh, performance as well as protection. And we're going to hear their story of how they came about, what kind of things they bring to the table in terms of helping soccer players stay on the field and where some things might be going for them in the future. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. Today, we have a very special guest, Claudio from Storelli Soccer. Claudio, welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you tell the people, you know, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your company and yeah, give us the breakdown of how we got to where you are today. Sure. So I am, as you may be able to tell from my accent, I was born and raised in Italy. Uh, I was a bit of a, uh, I was soccer crazy child in Italy. Soccer is the only sport, really. If you play basketball, it means you're really bad at soccer, essentially. Um, and uh, I grew up soccer crazy, and I grew up playing on really beat up fields. In America, you're actually very lucky because you tend to play in areas that have a lot of space, so the fields get a little bit more rest. If you grew up in a city like Milan or Rome, the fields are basically dirt. Uh, and uh, I was a goalkeeper, and I grew up just uh, getting beat up left and right. When I came to the U.S., I played in um, uh, Division One in college. I played at Santa Clara in the days where uh, the team was really good, made it a national championship in 99, which dates me a little bit. Um, and uh, there, too, we played on a lot of turf, and I will also get really beat up. So later on, after grad school and after uh, I started knowing a little bit about business, uh, I started playing in New York City with after-work leagues, and I realized that I was playing on, on teams that are a lot of Wall Street guys, and these Wall Street guys could afford anything they wanted in the world. Uh, they would literally roll up to the games with the driver taking them to the games. And yet, <laughs> many of us will leave the field limping or you know bleeding from some parts of the, of the, of the body, and it made me realize that even if you have all the money in the world, uh, the top equipment that you can buy doesn't actually help you prevent any injuries on the field. Uh, and having lived through a history of injuries and having seen the impact that it has on players, uh, both in Italy and in the U.S., uh, I partnered with a PhD in biophysics. There was a colleague with me at a consulting firm in New York, and we decided, why don't we try to think about ways in which we can help reduce injuries in soccer to help millions of players not only perform better, but also just have more fun. 
because mm-hmm. nothing will ruin the beautiful game for a player and you don't need to be good i just mean like the joy remove the joy of running out there and giving it your all then something as stupid as a blister or a turf bird and yeah. so that, that that's how australia sports was born mm. now I, I think that's so important because they're on the medical side of things, right? That there are times where it's like, yeah, you're not injured. And if you were to go out there and play in a perfect scenario, it'd be totally fine. But if you get a hit at this certain spot on your body where you just got a hit, then you're at risk for something potentially serious happening, which, which is why I think Sorelli is, is relatively successful in the soccer space because one of the things that I really recognize after looking at the products was that's tailor-made to solve a problem that we have in our game. And it's really rare to see that in, in sports because, you know, people tend to make products that are applicable for everybody of all sports. But when you kind of just focus in on soccer, it's like, yeah, we can actually make something that's dedicated for that specific body part or this specific position. And it's going to work really well because it was designed from that from the bottom up. Exactly. And the way we, we looked at our market as having two major categories, field players and goalkeepers. For goalkeepers, the need for protection is pretty obvious. Um, some of the players prefer not to be very light during game time, but most of the hits come in practice. Mm-hmm. And the bodies of goalkeepers take a lot of abuse. This is true also in the top divisions. We work with professional players in in Italy, even in, in the Major League Soccer. And if you train on turf, uh, you're taking a lot of abuse. So we we focus on goalkeepers with many of our teammates and our colleagues being goalkeepers. And we were able to innovate on equipment that, especially 10 years ago, used to look like old pajama pants and shirts. And we turned them into something that is that fits well, that looks good, and uh, uses materials that are perfectly suited for what we're trying to do. It's not American football. It's not hockey. It's not lacrosse. It's soccer. And so we take pride in being very, very specific. And we take that level of specificity also to field player gear that obviously requires less padding, but you want the right protection in the right place given the risk of abrasion or impact on the, you know, especially in the lower extremities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, what's kind of like the philosophy behind your brain that you have right now in terms of helping players, not only physically, but also in other spaces, like psychologically as well? How, how did that come about? So um, we realized very early on that the benefit of protection is almost greater psychologically than it is physically. Let me explain. Uh, take a turf burn and let's take a goalkeeper as an example. A turf burn by all means, is not a serious injury. If you saw a professional player, your favorite professional player, get a turf burn right before the World Cup, you wouldn't run home crying saying, oh, he's going to miss the World Cup. He's not going to miss the World Cup. He's going to be fine. But if you get a turf burn, every time you have to go for a slight tackle or as a goalkeeper, you have to dive on that side, you know it's going to hurt and you know that you may be worsening the situation. So psychologically, you may not be realizing it, but you're putting... A little, a little stone in your shoe, something that uh, subconsciously is affecting your confidence, is affecting your ability to perform at the top. And if you're doing it for fun, it's really removing. If you if you study psychology of sports and you, you think of the state of flow, 
it's stopping you from being in the state of flow because it's adding hindrance. Uh, it's it's increasing the level of challenge that you face. Um, and so, so most of what we focus on is ge- creating gear that just stops, uh, blocks the distractions, uh, removes these uh, hindrances, and let you perform at your best. And most importantly, lets you really get lost in the moment and have fun. And that to us is the most important benefit we try to deliver. Yeah, and that's massive because that threshold of like that pebble, right? That that's different for everybody. You could have a professional player who, you know, maybe is turf bone from his hip all the way down to his knee. And, you know, he's such a professional, he's so locked in that that he maybe he doesn't get disrupted versus you can have his teammate, his competitor in training, he could have a small abrasion and throws him off completely immensely. Or even if you have like, let's say a, a U12 player, right? Those players, they maybe this is their first injury. And it's it's tough to, you know, have someone of that age really just throw them back in. They need a little bit of TLC. They need a little bit of protection to say, hey, this is what we have right now. We're going to cover it using this. Why don't you go try it out, right? It's, it's not going to hurt as much, right? And they try it out and they're like, yeah, this feels better. And ultimately, it's it's like you said, it's how do we keep kids engaged? How do we keep them in the game? And how do we keep that process enjoyable? Because nobody wants to be on the field when they're unhappy or they don't feel safe. Completely agree. You said it very well. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I think we're going to have a very interesting discussion on head injuries and how you at Sorelli are are trying to help solve our, our one of our biggest complaints and issues in the soccer medicine space. So we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. If you're a physical therapist, fitness coach, or personal trainer, you need to know that Team Builder is the number one app for exercise prescription. Whether you're working with a few clients one-on-one as a side hustle or you're working with hundreds of athletes in an academy setting, there's no better app to prescribe exercises for remote or in-person training than Team Builder. As someone who's used Team Builder for over two years, I can wholeheartedly say it saves me time and helps my clients perform at their best. As a bonus, Team Builder is offering a 12-week soccer strength and conditioning program that comes with your 14-day free trial. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing risk of injury. Head over to teambuilder.com and sign up with the code SFE to get started. Vitruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. All right, welcome back to the Soccer Fitness Experience here with part two of our interview with Claudio Sorelli of Sorelli Soccer. Um, why don't you kind of just, you know, start off the conversation of how did the whole head protection thing kind of start for you guys? How did the process come out and where is it right now? You know, uh, having grown up and played the soccer in, in Europe, in Italy, where um, there's there aren't many sports that cause concussions, head protection was completely foreign to me. 
I mean, in fact, when we started Sorali Sports, head protection was not even in the plans. Mm. But as we started becoming popular, especially the youth level, we started getting parents saying, hey, I'm concerned about head injuries. Do you do, do, you do anything? Do you, have a, do you have anything? And so we started looking at the dynamics of head injuries. And uh, really early on in the process, something kind of extraordinary happened. Uh, and then I'll, I'll describe the actual uh, the, the merits of the solution and what it's really helpful for in the research. But in 2012, we were we were we partnered with a, a military helmet company uh, to uh, create a, a light, effective uh, head headband, padded headband that will help, especially um, against uh, acute head injuries due to uh, impact. So head-to-head collisions. We weren't really focusing so much on the impact on the brain because obviously you couldn't measure it. We were trying to just stop people for, from bleeding and cracking their skulls. And right as we were about to release the product on the market, um, Wayne Rooney, uh, at the time at Manchester United, ended up cracking his skull and mm-hmm. had a ma- major cut on his forehead. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the headlines were saying that he will be out for probably a month before he will be able to play and actually head the ball. Mm-hmm. We were able to get in touch with the physios at Man United. We, they were asked us to overnight samples. And before the product was even commercially available, within three days, Wayne Rooney was back on the pitch wearing our brand name on his head, okay. uh, playing against Crystal Palace and EPL. And he played through, through the fall with that protection, played in the World Cup qualifiers, scored a bunch of goals. And if you Google right now, you know, Wayne Rooney head protection, you can see the first version of our uh, protective headband uh, in, you know, in the EPL and Champions League back in 2013. Um, that, that's massive because <laughs> that, that's huge. And that, that's why helmets were created, right? Helmets were created to stop skull fracture because back in the day of, you know, the NFL or whatever football league we had way back, people were just, you know, they were literally dying because they had skull fractures, right? So if, if we can help prevent that or, you know, someone's recovering from that, there's been a few other cases since that, that have been sem- somewhat similar, um, that's massive, you know, like it's getting players back on the pitch doing what they love. Yep, exactly. Now, you know, the, the elephant in, in the room is that when people talk about head injuries in the most, in most cases, they talk about brain injuries and, um, it's, uh, there's, you know, the, the research out there tends to be quite, uh, uncompelling when it comes to the benefits of wearing helmets, even for football, let alone for soccer. So let me, let me discuss a little bit where the research is on the benefit of head protection in soccer for concussions and in general general brain injuries. It's first important to define that there are two types of brain injuries. One are actual concussions, um, and um, concussions tend to come, come about from uh, major collisions. So they're uh, events that are easier to measure in the sense that uh, um, you can see that something major happened and most, in most cases, and uh, it can be diagnosed. Uh, and it's one, one big event, and you usually can say, okay, there, was a, there wasn't a concussion, even though even then it's, it's often not that black or white. The second type of uh, brain injury is one that you've read, uh, you've read in, in probably in the news in recent times, especially in studies in the UK, where they've seen that 
most likely headers over time, small repeated traumas uh, are accumulating to lead to very serious long-term consequences for the brain of professional soccer players. That one is a completely different type of injury because it's actually due to heading of the ball. So when you look at it from a protection perspective, in one, on one side, you're looking at two hard bodies, two cranial, colliding against each other, and you're trying to provide a protection that, that stops the two, the two brains from, uh, or at least tries to slow down the speed of impact and tries to um, stop the brain from moving uh, to the point where it causes a concussion. On the other side, you're looking at actually a flexible, soft body, which is the ball, that deforms around the hard body time and time over again. And so the dynamics of head protection in that case are, are completely different. Wearing something that is um, suitable for a traumatic head injury um, is not necessarily a solution that works for heading the ball. Mm-hmm. So what we know today is that there's been studies, uh, uh, longitudinal studies conducted with a couple thousand players in high school in the U.S. that have looked at the effectiveness of headgear when it comes to full-out concussions. And uh, if, you, if you look at the, the, the actual data, you can see that uh, the for women and the girls have a much higher rate of concussions than, than boys, the, the data is getting really close to statistically significant in terms of reduction of concussion in soccer. So what I think you'll see over the next five years is new studies that focus solely on uh, female, so- female soccer, because as you know, the rate of concussion is almost double that of men, and focus on the cutting edge uh, head protection, of which my brand is one, but there's several other. And I think you will see over the next five years that the, the consensus on the medical side will be the wearing best-in-class head protection for girls will decrease statistically the rate of concussions. Hmm. That's my prediction based on the data that is already uh, readily available. We'll see if the industry proves me right. Yeah. What, on the other end, for actual headers of the others of the ball, the, the industry needs to figure out a solution. Mm. We are actively involved in studies that involve actually heading of the ball. We're sponsoring right now a, a, a study uh, at Sterling in the UK, which is one of the universities that is at the cutting edge of actually looking at a brain activity before and after heading of the ball. And we think we're on the brink of figuring out how to protect the brain from that. But we're years away from having a practical solution. And my forecast is that you'll also see something come out in the next five years, but that it'll be adopted as a practice tool, perhaps, where you can have uh, youth players, which right now in many countries cannot head the ball for the reasons we discussed, um, uh, will be allowed to head the ball, but with something that is akin to when you go to boxing practice and you wear some extra padding to stop you from mm-hmm. having a really bad injury, you will mm-hmm. do the same thing in practice and you will be allowed to head, but you may have something that is shown to actually remove the bad impact of uh, ball repeatedly hitting your ball, your, your head. Yeah. And I, I think this is, this is honestly um, great work as, as someone that's, that spent a little extra time studying concussions and everything like that. Um, I, I, I mean, we we talked about this on an episode we just recorded a few hours ago with with um somebody from Vald, which is like a sport technology company, is the research is what the research is, right? It'll show that 
X, Y, and Z came from A, B, and C. And as of right now, the the research that is publicly available to PTs and, and sports medicine physicians, the overall consensus is headgear headgear is not very helpful in terms of decreasing acute concussion risk. And I, I really like to applaud you guys of saying, okay, we recognize that and we see that. Is there any way we can change it? Because it, it's tough, you know? What are you supposed to tell a player? Like, there's nothing available at all. Let's not even try. Yeah. Let's not even do anything. No, so I, I really like how you guys are are really pushing. And like you said, it's going to take years and we're getting closer and closer and closer. And as we go along the way, we we start to hit, oh, okay, maybe that is really helpful, right? Maybe, you know, we can prove that with some headgear or some sort of protection, especially with, with the, the, the structure of anatomy of females being different, neck strength being different, things like that. Maybe in this specific population, we can prove there's a real change, right? And if that's the case, that's, that's massive game changing. There's so many kids with concussions and CTE is its own wild beast, right? Nobody was going on. Nobody knows what's going on there. So it's, I, I really like that you guys are, are being proactive about it instead of just saying, this is what the research says maybe 10 years ago. And it's kind of is what it is. You guys are trying to change it. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a bit of a dilemma right now in the, in the industry, which is for these studies to be generally taken seriously, uh, you need to hope that they'll be sponsored by third parties because mm-hmm. obviously that's the, the best case scenario. However, mm-hmm. especially after COVID, the money for studies has not been around. Mm. So we as industry players are in a tough position of saying, okay, the industry is not sponsoring studies. We are confident that if you had a large enough study with the right focus, we will obtain positive results because we've already seen them in studies that are much smaller um, in uh, done in the past. Mm-hmm. But we can't fund them out of pocket or they're going to be discredited. And so... <laughs> You know, as a as a as an institution, you're in this tough position where you're kind of damned if you do it and damned if you don't. Yeah. Uh, but I think that I'm hopeful that that this will be solved in the future by third party studies, and will start be will start to, you know, scientifically shed light on on the issue. Yeah, and even if it's something as simple as, you know, we're about to because the whole theory behind CTE and all that it's these smaller repetitive impacts time after time after time after time and like you said with goalkeepers training is so much different than real matches right so maybe if somebody let's say a coach says you know what all we're going to do in today's session is we're going to work on our center backs clearing it from the back after receiving a goal kick right and it's like oh that's those center backs they're about to do 30 40 50 60 70 headers in one day Maybe some head protection might be useful, maybe not. But as again, as we go along throughout the the, the research trends, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to see some change. Exactly. And another one fact that has come out clearly from research already conducted is that in the early days before there were actually longitudinal studies done with headgear and without headgear, one of the comments that sometimes people would bring up to me um, without any data, by the way, it was just speculation was, well, if you give kids headgear, then they will feel invincible and they will start ramming each other with the head and it will actually cause them to suffer more injuries than without protection. So actually arguing it will make things worse. So it will, mm. it will, 
And uh, when you look at the, the study, so look at the Wisconsin Medicine study that was conducted, it was a third-party study um, by Knox uh, that was uh, ran about three or four years ago. One of the things that they concluded is that there's no difference in any type of injury, statistical uh, difference, between wearing headgear and not headgear, meaning wearing protection does not make you take additional risks, which mm-hmm. is obvious if you played soccer, because you know that you will never put your own you know, face at jeopardy uh, and will not start ramming people with the head. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something that, that is important because here's why. If um, the, the new research starts showing that there are, there are some statistical benefits to wearing headgear and you know that it doesn't hurt, then you start thinking a little bit in terms of uh, uh, a seatbelt. I know that if I drive at 100 miles an hour against the wall, the seatbelt is not going to help me. But most of the injuries, uh, most of the accidents happen at much lower speed. So, mm. so I may as well take extra precaution because it's not going to make me go faster. And it may bring some benefits. Statistically, it will bring some benefits. So that I think that's going to be the key to mass adoption. But I think we're, we're a few years away from it, both in terms of science and also in terms of uh, uh, companies like mine optimizing their solutions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's all about like risk versus reward. And I mean, I, I have nothing to back this up in terms of numbers, but the players and the people that I've seen who've had concussions, they're not they're not the type of player. Maybe I, I think this is this is strictly maybe a, a soccer thing. I don't know if that same kind of thought process would held steady for let's say American football or rugby or or something like that, especially as kids get younger. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see a, a soccer player really just, you know, using their head as a battering ram that much. Like Zidane did it once in 2006 <laughs> and everybody, you know, remembers that once it really doesn't happen that often. No, know? it doesn't, it does not happen, but the, the head to head collisions that cause blood are more frequent than you think. I mean, just picture Killini, Killini every two games as a bandage on his head. Yeah. Um, and so existing air protections definitely uh, pr- prevent that mm-hmm. and over time they'll start preventing uh, or at least reducing statistically the risk of major head collisions so i'm talking about brain impact and then the golden goose will be uh, for us to also figure out how to within the same head protection uh, remove the bad the bad effects of uh, um, repetitive headers so cts as you mentioned uh, and um, uh I think I think we'll get there, uh, but I think it will require a collective effort by both in terms of research and uh, innovation. Yeah, perfect. Um, I, I think that was a great discussion. I'm really glad that we've had that because um, I, I think practitioners and researchers we we really need to come together and you know looking what our current state of of evidence is and really thinking to ourselves: Is this good enough? Is this an acceptable response? And do we want to try something different? Maybe, again, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But we have to try, I think. I think we really do. And um, just thank you for for doing that. No, exactly. And I appreciate you saying that. Because sometimes also, uh, and this is why I like to be very upfront about what we know and what we don't know. And I like to to base the discussion on the facts and the research and uh, define the problem as a common problem. Because sometimes I feel like people look at uh, manufacturers of protective gear as trying to sell snake oil uh, or trying to, to, uh, to say that protections do something that they don't do. 
but they also forget to realize that a lot of the people that work in this industry are dedicated to innovating so that they can do good, just like you guys are working actively to, uh, to help athletes. And if it's not people like my colleagues who spend day in and day out and lose sleep over trying to figure out the technology to find solution, the status quo will just persist. Because yeah. I, I tell you something, the EPL is not looking for a solution. The U.S. Soccer Federation is not looking for a solution. Nike and Adidas are not looking for a solution because that's not where the money is right now. There's no mm. money in it. Uh, mm. And so they're not looking for a solution. So the innovation will come from crazy people like me and my colleagues and my, you know, the, the other companies in the space who leave their cushy jobs on Wall Street and dedicate their life to innovating for the benefit of athletes. Um, so I'm glad that you said what you said. It's about us all coming together and collaborating and trying to find a solution rather than just, uh, you know, sitting back and doing nothing and criticizing the people that are trying to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is massive. That is massive. Um, that that's pretty much all we had kind of scheduled to talk about. If people want to learn more about Sorelli soccer, if people want to maybe, um, pick up some products that you guys have on the store, where can they find you? I think you have a, a discount code as well. So let's, let's definitely share that with the listeners. Yes, uh, you can uh, check our gear out uh, at storelli.com. And um, the, if you use the code SOCCER20, so SOCCER number 20, um, specific code for your podcast alone, uh, for the, the rest of the year, for the rest of 2022, you'll get 20% off on any of the gear. So you can shop any of our goalkeeper gear or any of our protective gear. If you wanted to try out that gear, uh, you'll find that as well. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and um, best of luck as you guys finish out your year. Same. Same to you and thank you very much for having us. Absolutely.